Amen. Talking about the kingdom of God in this new sermon series in 2022 here. Uh, started last week, and we talked about how God is our king. And, uh, but to be kingdom-minded, that uh, the kingdom of God is more than just the people here in these four walls. Did you know that? That there is a large kingdom out there that God is the supreme, sovereign ruler of that kingdom. And so we looked at a couple of verses Last week that I just wanted to mention to you in 2 Kings, you alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. In Psalm, he said, for the Lord is king and rules the nations. In Isaiah 40, see the sovereign Lord comes with power. Everybody say power. All right, just make sure you are there, okay? Comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm uh, Revelation, he is the king of kings, he is the lord of lords. Some of you have heard that statement before. John 3, 3, Jesus replied, Verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so there is this um, attitude here that you can be outside of the kingdom, but once you are born, uh, born again, you are inside the kingdom. And he is a king, as we've already mentioned here today, that he rules with justice, he rules with righteousness. Um, in fact, in Psalm 9, it says he judges the world in righteousness, execute judgments for all the nations with fairness. But the Lord is also a refuge and a stronghold for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. We serve a good king. We serve a good king. He's not one of these evil kings that we watch movies about and... Uh, and that they want to rule with, with, with how they think that they should rule. We serve a good king. And don't let the fact that we have such horrible examples throughout history turn our mind off to the idea of a king. We want a good king to serve. We want to be under this good, uh, eternal king who has always been, who is always going to be. And so it is good to serve him. And so we're talking today about how uh, a kingdom under rule. And we are under this kingdom. And this uh, kingdom started, well, I say started, with Israel. The, the kingdom of Israel started back in uh, Genesis chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Genesis 12. This is, once again, um, I'm going to be walking through the Bible a little bit. So for those of you who like to hear a little bit of every single book of the Bible, this may be good for you, not every single book. But, uh, but we're going through the Bible a little bit here. Um, today, Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to start because this is uh, where Israel started, this, this idea of, of this nation that is under this rule. So Genesis chapter 12, starting in uh, verse 1, says, The Lord said to Abram, not Abraham, not yet, his name is Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Me and Ray were talking about this a couple of days ago. Um, that, that Abraham, so he's in the Ur of the Chaldeans, right? He's in this land, and God is wanting to take him over to another place. And there's a lot of parallel, um, some symbolism there, where we are in this place of the world, but he's wanting to take us over to another land, which is heaven one day. Does anybody want to go to heaven one day? Anybody? I'm going. I'm just, if you want to go with me, that's great. Um, and I hope that you do want to come with us, okay? And so there, there's kind of this, this idea of this, 
uh, where you're here, I'm wanting to bring you over here. And that's really throughout all the scripture. It starts here with Abraham. It says, I will take you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the start of the Jewish nation, the Israelite nation, where he says that I'm going to make you great. Once again, early on, we find that God is going to rule a different way than what you see other kings rule. Other kings, when they rule, they want to get more and more and more and more for themselves to make their name great, and obviously he does everything for his name, yes. But there's this idea of sharing this rule with his creation, those that he made in the image of God. And so here he is saying, I'm going to make your name great. There's this shared responsibility that he wants to share with us as we rule. That is one indication that he is a different king than what, you're, than what you have heard and that what you're going to hear about and that what you're going to reject and go up against, I'm different than that. So don't think evil kings when you're thinking of me. I'm different than that. Genesis 17, he continues on. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. Abraham means father of multitudes. It has a couple meanings, but one of the meanings is father of multitudes. So he goes from father is glorified, or God is praised, excuse me, Abram, to then, or I'm sorry, father who is praised, and then father of multitudes. I get it. And that's what Abraham uh, is called. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful, your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I always forgot about that last part, that, that last sentence. First of all, it says, I will make you extremely fruitful, okay? So there's this kind of be fruitful and multiply, all right, move out. It says, your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. This, this idea that Israel was going to have a, a king was seen even all the way back in Abraham. It wasn't like later, later, later with Samuel and Saul and, and, and David. This idea was all the way back here in Genesis chapter 12. He says that in your descendants, is what he's talking about, kings will be among them. So there was all, this was already going to be set up, okay? You even move further when we're talking about Moses and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 17, it says, When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving to you, and you possess it and dwell it, and then say, I will, set a king, I will set a king over me. This is the people who were talking. I will set a king over me like all the nations around me. Verse 15, you may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose. That's kind of the key right there. Who the Lord your God will choose, one from among your brothers, you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. We'll come back to that here in just a second. But you will set a king over you. So this is Moses. So Abraham understood that there's going to be a, a, a human king. Moses understood that at some point there was going to be a human king. But what happens many times with us as uh, humans is when we get promised something, we want to jump the gun a little bit, don't we? You know, we, and, and that's what happens. 
that's what happened here. And so when all the people came to Samuel and said, hey, we want a king, we, you know, bring us a king, whatever. All right, these were going to intersect at some point, and that was supposed to be under David. But many times we jump the gun on that. Even if you look right before Genesis 12 and Genesis uh, 11, you've got the Tower of Babel. And they are wanting to create this structure where they're getting close to God, but they're wanting to make a name, a great name for themselves. Here we go. We're, we're jumping the gun here a little bit, okay? They're going to take it upon themselves to make them, their name great. But God told Abraham, I'm going to make your name great because you're going to follow me and you're going to do this. Abraham and Hagar, they couldn't, they couldn't wait for the promised child, or Abraham and Sarah. So then Abraham and Hagar had a child. We're going to try to call that one the promised son. So here we are, humans, once again, jumping the gun on the promise of God. And this is seen a lot. Have you ever, God kind of wanted you to do something and, and you wanted it to hurry up? Let's go. Let's do it. Like, you're not done baking in the oven, okay? Hold on a second, okay? Like, like I, I, know that, I know that you want that child to come out, but we're looking at nine months here, okay? That's how long you're supposed to wait because it's like it's coming, but sometimes we want to jump the gun on some of this stuff. And God says, I, I've got a plan. It's a good plan, trust me. And so follow me, learn the things that you're supposed to learn now, do the things you're supposed to learn now, because what I have for you, I promise it's coming. Is it, do you think that God is trustworthy to make his promises come true? Then we don't need to take it upon ourselves to get in there and figure it out. We follow God and what he has for us to do. So then we move ahead of Abraham. We're moving into Moses. Exodus chapter 19, and this is right before the Ten Commandments are given. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, it says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, you obey me, you keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Now, he's talking to the nation of Israel here. He's talking to Moses, the nation of Israel. You will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. Some translations say a royal priesthood and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So right before he brings the, 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 the law down, he is talking to Moses. And he says, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. You're going to be a holy nation. I'm setting you apart. He's already setting this idea up of the kingdom of God. There are some who are outside of the kingdom of God, so we need to be set apart to be in the kingdom of God. He's already setting up this idea here. And you are going to be a kingdom of priests or a a royal priesthood. You're going to be a holy nation. Now, what makes them holy? Is Is it their actions? It's God's actions that, or it's God that makes them holy, for he is holy. And then he brings about the Ten Commandments. And so, well, how are we to be holy? How did they, how did they not? I've always asked that question. You know, the Bible says that Noah was a righteous man. I'm thinking, did, did Noah know that he was a righteous man? Because there wasn't the law yet to, right? Some of that is God has put it inside all of our heart to know, you know what, that's not right. <laughs> that's, that, that's not of God. And so he's kind of given that in us. And I think that some of that was there with Noah. With Noah. But here is the law. So there, you know, how do we know if we're going to break God's law? Like we want to do what God wants us to do. And so what do we do? And so we go through the Ten Commandments. And so we got the one true God. We got, we're not making any idols. We're not going to take uh, his name in vain. Uh, we're going to remember the Sabbath. 
Preachers like to talk about that one, right? Pastors love the, love the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath. Go to church, okay? Go to church. Remember the Sabbath because it's a holy day because he created us. He rested on the seventh day. Not that he needed rest, but he rested on the seventh day. So we are supposed to rest on the seventh day and spend time in God's presence, okay? Um, we are to honor our father and mother, teenagers and kids in the room. Can I get an amen? No, I'm looking for... <laughs> Hey, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. See? See, he knows. He knows his commandments. He knows his Bible. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. He's telling all these people, he is telling them how a nation should act. These are the things that the the nation should do. You're not supposed to legislate legislate morality. God kind of (laughs) did. Where he said... What if, what if we lived through a nation where you honored the people that were above you? You honored your authority. Now, the authority needs to act in a way that needs to be honored. <laughs> but what if we honored authority? What if we, there was only one true God? What if, we, what if we didn't kill each other? What if we didn't steal from each other? What if we honored these days that God has before us? What if, what if we didn't commit adultery? What if, what, what, if, what if we did this? What if America did this? We didn't, we didn't choose to be selfish and do what we want to do and what makes us feel good, but instead we kept, we kept the sanctity of marriage intact. Okay, It says, yes, enjoy each other, but in the confines of marriage. Once you start getting outside the confines of marriage, Things start getting messed up, and we've seen that in our world. Maybe some of you have seen that in your life. And that gets, mixed, that gets messed up. But he says, if, what if we lived and we did this as a nation? What if as an entire nation? Yes, you, but as an entire nation, we, we did these things. And we supported each other, and we helped each other in this. There's a, there's a guy, he's a, he's a radio personality. His name is Dennis Prager. He's a... Um, He's a Jewish man, American, and uh, uh, um, does a radio host and, and writes some blogs and different things. And, uh, and he's talking about, he was talking about something interesting where in, in Israel, you know, if they want food, they go and they buy, for the most part, they go buy it from Israelis. Or if they need food, they go buy it from Israelis. Why? Because like, it's their nation, and so we support each other. You know, we, we, we do this we do this together. Like, I'm going to buy and sell from you, and you're going to buy and sell from me because we are in this nation together. And so even since from really the beginning of this, they worked together as this. And so I, I, I feel like I try to do that in, in, in my life as well. I, I know some, I've got some great friends who are pastors and preachers, and I've got some family members even who have videos on YouTube, and, and they put their sermons online, and I can't listen to everybody all the time. But I want to support them, okay? I give them some clicks, okay? <laughs> By I'm going to like their Facebook post, right? It's just like a small way to support them, but watch their watch their stuff. As a as a Christian nation, we want to support other Christians. If I if I'm going out to buy something and I could buy it at Target or Hobby Lobby, I'm going to go to Hobby Lobby. I don't know. It's a small thing, I guess, but it's one of those things where it's like I'm going to support uh, you know this Christian organization. If I'm hungry for chicken, and I got Raising Cane's or I got Chick-fil-A? Keisha, help me out. Okay? <laughs> Don't want that pagan chicken. We want some Chick-fil-A. 
It's not open on Sunday. Well, what you do is you go Saturday night and you buy some and you save it for Sunday and you heat it up and you're good to go. But we support, we support those. I was, uh, I, I learned a lot as, as a missionary, obviously, in Europe. And one of the things that I learned as well was hearing kind of people's background, religious backgrounds, where they come from, what are, the, what are some of the things that, that they do. And I was talking to uh, one of my friends uh, who was Orthodox. And um, was there like a rumble in there? I said Orthodox. <laughs> I talked to an Orthodox guy. It's okay. He's our friend, okay? They're <laughs> that was interesting. Um, it, it's just funny, the, I guess the labels, I guess, okay, I I was reading this. I was reading this the other, or listening to this the other day. They, they said that there was a uh, an Irish gang, you know, several years ago that's walking through the street and they're asking people, "Are you Catholic or are you Protestant?" You know, like drawing the line, like who are you? You know, and so they come up and they see this man from India, and they walk up to him and he says, "Are you Catholic or are you Protestant?" And this man from India, you know, looked kind of confused, and he said, "Well, I'm a Hindu." And so they said, yeah, 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 but are you a Catholic Hindu or a Protestant Hindu? Okay. Like, it's okay. I was talking to this Orthodox guy. <laughs> He's a good guy. So we're talking about kind of the differences in the evangelical and all of this, and there's a lot of similarities. A few things I'm like, eh, but there's a, there's a lot of similarities there. But here's one thing that he said. He, one thing that he noticed about the evangelical movement, us, uh, that is different, that is, that is different, and as he's talking about it, I thought, you know, that's, okay, that's, that's kind of good, we need to maybe learn something from that, and so one of the things that he said that he has noticed is that in evangelical churches, it, it is very, um, well, to use a word, selfish, it's an I-centric, like I'll come in, and, and what is the worship that I like, and the kind of preaching that I like, and every altar call is what do you need to come up and talk to God about, and it's very you, you, and I, I, and so that, that kind of seeps into our mindset that it's about me, and we have this idea. In the Orthodox Church, it's, when we have church services, it is all about all of us, and so it is very common, not that they have altar calls the way that we have altar calls, but it is very common to ask the question, what are we as a church going to do with this? What, what do we do as we leave? It's not just a what are you going to do. It's what are we going to do. And what that does is that brings in a, a, a sense and a spirit of togetherness. As we kinda, we're going to go out there together and it's not just a, well, what am I dealing with? Well, well what if we all kind of dealt with it together? What if we kind of helped each other out? We too often look at our Christian walk, or at the Christian walk, as my Christian walk, when in reality it's our Christian walk. I mean, we look at this, we look at this through, through the Bible, and you got the nation. I mean, it wasn't individuals that walked through the Red Sea. God led the nation of Israel through the Red Sea. I mean, it was everybody that was, that was walking there together. And so the, just this idea, when... When we talk about our Christian walk, like if I was to say your Christian walk, probably, typically, you have this idea of you walking by yourself in a, in a small sidewalk-looking thing 
uh, the forest is all around you, and, you, and you're going this way and this way, and there's forks in the road, and, and there's stumbling blocks there ahead of you, and you've got to figure this out, and thank God sometimes Jesus comes alongside you and helps you out. What if it's, that's sometimes our mindset, I guess, but what if it's all of us are walking through this together? And so if we're all walking through this together, then you've learned something that I need to hear about, and I've learned something that you need to hear about, and we're walking here together. So then when there's a fork in the road, we're all walking together and going this way. When there's a stumbling block or there's something that, that comes up against us, we don't treat it or think of it as, what am I going to do about this? But you've got brothers and sisters in Christ that we love each other, and we're going to walk through this together. So when we grow in the Lord, or as we're talking about our, our walk, it's not just about us. And we can be too self-centric, and that's not kingdom-minded. It's the opposite of kingdom-minded. This kingdom-minded, what I'm talking about, is that God rules the nation. God rules the kingdom. It's not just me. Now, it is you. Sometimes I have to come down, and I need to, I, I need to repent of something, or I need to figure out something else. But you don't have to do it by yourself. In fact, if you look at the language of the Lord's Prayer, it talks about give us this day our daily bread. Not give me this day my daily bread. It's an, it's an us mindset. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Our Father who art in heaven. It's an us thing. And we can come together and talk with each other. So when we start talking about our Christian walk, we can walk in this together. We can walk in it as a kingdom, all of us who are under rule. And you know what? Uh, there's, it can't be just your walk anyway because there are people in your life who need you to grow. And you owe those people. You, you owe the people in your life you, for you growing closer to the Lord. Because they're with you. They're a, a part of you. Men, you have a responsibility to walk with the Lord. Yes, for you, but for your wife. You lead the home, according to Timothy. She deserves a godly man to love, encourage, and challenge her. Where's the godly men? You're not just in this for you. You have someone else that is in your life. Women. You have a responsibility to walk with the Lord and to grow for your husband. To be a godly helpmate, as Genesis and Timothy talks about. To love, encourage, and challenge him as well. Parents, you have a responsibility to grow in the Lord because you have children who are going to grow in the Lord if they're following a good example, right? You are their holy example of how to live, make decisions, treat others, worship God. They are not, they should not grow up isolated, leaving it up to them to discover their identity or their gender. Goodness gracious. Whatever nonsense is out there, you are their guide. Train up a child as they should go. Parents, your children deserve a mother and father who is growing in the Lord. Because they want to grow in the Lord. Students, kids, teenagers, you owe it to your parents to grow in the Lord. You do. This, this idea 
you know, that is, that is common, that is popular to find your identity, that, ah, your family, we don't know. It, it is an effort to break the, the bond of children and parents. And it's evil. And it's satanic, if I could say. It's evil. You owe it. You owe it to your parents that you are not in this walk together. Well, I'm just trying to find my way. Listen, you don't, you don't have to go into the same occupation that your dad did, but you have to uh, live by those principles that a good godly mother and father are going to show you. Yes, God gave your parents you, but God gave you your parents. And so we follow in that. You know what? Older folks in the church, you have a responsibility to the younger folks in the church, to the younger in this kingdom and in this church, to continue to be the foundation and to work in this church, to teach them more than more than just not to run in church, but how to worship, how to pray by cherishing the altar, how to be sensitive to the Spirit. Those who are older, that they want to look down and disparage a generation, will show us what you love the altar so much, will show us how to pray up here. I'm putting myself in the younger. Put, show the younger, the next generation below you what, is it, what does it look like to worship in the Spirit of God? More than just singing the song that's put in front of us, more than just the, the words that are up here, what does it mean to sing in the Spirit? What does it mean to speak in tongues? Show us. Show the younger. Show the younger people. You owe it to them. You owe it to them. You know what? Younger people in the church, you have a responsibility to the older people in the church, to those who have come before you, that their ministry would not be in vain, that you would continue the work that they have laid down to carry the torch of biblical preaching, holy conversations, sincere and earnest, healthy fear of the power of God. Younger people in the church, the older people are not, well, they're older, they're, their time is done. No, 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 no. They have come before us. And I'm talking about generations and generations all the way back, Martin Luther and before and everything else. The people before us, like, we didn't just wake up one day when we were born and know everything. Like, it came from people before us. And so to not understand that and to grasp that and to pay honor to that is so arrogant, if I could say. There are people who have come before us that are showing us the way, paving the way for us. There's tears that we're not going to cry because they cried them for us. And so to come behind them and to give honor to those people that have come before us, we are bigger than ourselves. This kingdom of God is bigger than us. It is us. This is the kingdom of God, and not just in these four walls. It's the kingdom of God. We owe it to each other to do this. And that's what this kingdom, that's what, that's what God is talking about. Isaiah 49, 6. Says, he says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. So he's talking to the nation of Israel. You're going to do that, but you're going to do more than that. He says, I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the, of the earth. So he's already setting up, he's setting up the nation of Israel for after his death and resurrection. Because before they were the holy nation, but after that, you were to be a light to the Gentiles. Now, all of us that, are, that have come after uh, 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 the nation of Israel, after Jesus' death 
and resurrection, we can come in after that, and now that light is for us, and that salvation is for us. It comes through the Jews, as the Bible says, but it is for us as well, and that they are that light to the Gentiles. Then watch this, 1 Peter chapter 2, 9, love this verse. But you, talking about us, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, or a kingdom of priests, if we looked at earlier. But you're a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light. So similar language. Peter is talking about here that God used for the nation of Israel similar, very similar language that now he's using for us here today. We are a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. God's special possession. He's called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. See, if you look through the story in the Bible, it's not several stories with different main characters. It's one story with God as the main character. And then from time to time, Noah is the supporting guy. David's the supporting guy. Daniel's the supporting guy. Paul's the supporting guy. Different people today are the supporting guys. It's one big story, and God is the main character. And we get to be a part of that story. All right? Check it out. You look at the story of Adam and how it parallels. Adam was tasked with a divine purpose to replenish the earth, to be fruitful and to, be multi and, and to multiply, right? And to rule the ground. He was placed in a special place called the Garden of Eden for him to be able to do this. Then he was given the presence of God, literally able to walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. How cool is that? And that's Adam having that presence of God. But he was warned that if he does not obey God and he eat of the fruit of that tree, that he would be expelled. That he would be sent out of that, out of that special place. See how that mirrors Israel's story. They were tasked with a divine purpose, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to, and to bless others. That's what he told Abraham. He was giving them a chosen land, the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. He was given the, they were given the presence of God in these things called temples. And in the temple was the Holy of Holies, where the priests would go and they would, they would make their sacrifices and they would see what the direction is for uh, the kingdom. But they were warned, if you do not follow the Torah, then your enemies will defeat you and you will be exiled. And that's exactly what happened. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were exiled to another, another land. It parallels. And then it parallels us today. We're tasked with a divine purpose to be fruitful and to multiply, to go out into all the world preaching the gospel. That's our special place. The whole world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Then he gives us the presence of God that lives inside of us. That Holy Spirit that came in Acts chapter 2. By the power of the Holy Spirit, his presence lives inside of us. But we're warned that if we do not follow him, that we will be separated from God for an eternity. You see the parallel? Adam's story is Israel's story is our story. We're all here in the same story, and we all had the same opportunities that they had to follow God, to be a nation under rule. So how, do we, how are we able to see all of this? 
how can we look in the scriptures and, and how do we see all this? Well, he already talked about it. Israel, first of all, in the, at, at, in the, in the beginning, in Genesis 1, he said, let there be light. And it's shown. Just like that, it's shown. Then he tells, as they're walking through, uh, as they're walking through the desert, cloud by, na- cloud by day, fire by night. Once again, the light would lead them. Then we go to David. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Then we get all the way here to Jesus. Jesus spoke to the people once again in John 8. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Then we look at the Sermon on the Mount. One of the first things he says in chapter 5, remember last week we talked about that this is the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom right here. What does he say in Matthew 5, 14? You are the light of the world. So Jesus is the light, and then his spirit comes inside of us, and now you are the light of the world. And then it finishes at the end of eternity, Revelation 22, very last chapter of the Bible. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. This story, Adam's story, is Israel's story, is our story, and we're able to see it because of the light. That is so great. What a story and what something to be a part of that not just you are a part of, we are a part of. And we walk this road together. So what do we do with this information? See the word that I put in there? Not what do I do with this information. So you go home and you're a little and, 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 and you know sit by yourself and think. No. What do we do with this information? What do we, as a nation who is under rule, what do we do with this information? That God actually has a plan. He didn't just start us up and we just kind of figured out stuff as we went along. No, he knew what he was doing. And he has a plan for us. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for all of us. To just like what he said to Abraham, get up where you're at and go over to where I'm showing you. And God is showing us the way to have a relationship with him. Yes, to meet with him one day in heaven, but also to rule this world while we're here through the light of Jesus Christ that lives inside of us. So what do we do with this information? We do now, even, what we're going to do one day, which is worship him. Worship him and say thank you for that. What I'm going to do, and I know this is kind of, I am going to open up the altars. If you would like to come and pray, I, I, I certainly don't want to, I know I talked about individual. It is individual. I'm just saying that it's more than individual. If you want to find a place to pray, I want to open up these altars. But what I'd like us to do with this information is to worship God together. So if you would stand this morning once again, all together as a nation, as a living in the kingdom under this rule that God has given us a specific purpose to come to this land right here even, to be in the presence of God.
and then he gives us a choice. And my prayer for you is that you choose to follow him. My prayer for you is to follow him, as the song says, to know him, to love him. That's what we want to do. And when we have that light of Jesus living inside of us, then we can see where God wants us to go. Can we spend some time, more time in his presence and worship the Lord? If you'd like to come forward and pray, please do. But let's lift our voices, maybe lift our hands as we worship the Lord this morning. Lord, we lift you up this morning. What a good and righteous loving amazing king that you are you rule the nations with justice and with righteousness now <clears throat> we thank you for the light that you spoke into existence. <laughs> Beginning of our time and then we had that light inside of us shine out to the ends of the world to one day in your glorious light worship you forever and ever and ever and ever. What a wonderful king you are. Wonderful king you are. And it is our privilege to serve in your kingdom, however you see fit. Pray that you would lead us as the church, the kingdom of God. Lead us home one day, Lord. with us here today. Be with us this week. We leave this place that we leave as one in your kingdom. Supposed to be kingdom-minded. It's more than more than just about us. More than just about us. That, that there are waves and waves of, of people outside of us that are looking at us and counting on us and learning from us. We, we are not an island. We, we're not us. We are all of us, God. Help us. Help us to walk together. Walk together, Lord. Knowing that you are walking with us. Lead us. Lead us, Lord. We love you and we praise you. Jesus, Jesus' name. Everybody said, <laughs> Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap.